Welcome to Jackson Cloud. I'm Jamin. I'm Casey. And I'm Olivia. So I got these glasses. Uh, I yeah. went into the glasses place and sure. I was like. The place my husband works? Or? No, no. Hmm. I went to a place where they already have my prescription. And I was like. He didn't want new prescription. You know yeah. that you can just bring your prescription over. Well, that's what I said. Let me finish my story. Okay, Olivia. sorry. I said, is there a way I can get my prescription in case I don't like anything you have? <laughs> Wow, well, that's a, a way to phrase it. Way to it. offend it right to the beginning. I don't think I said it quite like that. I, I then did. I, I, I then tried to explain, every time I've come to get glasses lately, everything's so normal. And I like, <laughs> I like to be obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. And literally every right. time I've gone to get glasses, it's just been bleh. I'm like, oh, come on, this is so boring. So I looked around for a while and then I found one pair. That was obnoxious enough for me. These? Yes, thank you. And I, I was, I've been trying to go for either the Kingsman look or the, the Iron Man look. Okay. And this is not it. It's only half of it. <laughs> yeah. The top half is Iron Man, Kingsman, and the bottom half is Old Man from the <laughs> yeah, 70s. Yeah, it's like an interesting... <laughs> Mashup. Yeah. But it was obnoxious, so I got it. And when I got it, I called my wife... And I, I just FaceTimed and I stared at the phone with a smile. And she's like, did you do your hair? I was like, no. <laughs> Didn't even like, notice. Oh, your beard? I was like, what? <laughs> and then I like held it up. I was like, are these, these are huge and obnoxious. How do you not see them? She's like, oh, those are huge and obnoxious. I was like, well, don't say it like that. So anyways, now you all get to stare at my huge and obnoxious glasses. Yeah, well, he just wanted more nerd cred. It was all. It's true, but these feel. I don't know. I don't. I like them. They're interesting. Thank you. That's what the I lady who like sold them to glasses. me said, which made me wonder if she really liked them or if she was doing her job. You're I mean, good in those. Thanks. <laughs> probably doing her job, but if she's anything like Alec, he feels really bad when someone looks bad in glasses <laughs> and doesn't want them to have to look around like that. So he just what. So yeah, your face is too square for that. He usually helps them <laughs> find a new pair gently. Okay. All right. All right. Well, all that being said, welcome to the Jackson Cloud. We are into another episode of Revelation today, and we're out of the four horsemen, but we're still in the seals. Okay. See you. When I opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar souls of those who have been slain for the word of God. And for the witness they had borne, and that word witness in the Greek is materia, which... So they had evidence. Hmm? Marturia. Oh, I did a pretty good job of that. Martyria. Marturia. Well, it's where we get the word martyr from. So these people who bore witness, for us in English, martyria, we think of like, oh, they died. You know, like for their faith, which the reason that we get that word is it's because, because that's what martyr is. It's so often when that word is used in the Bible, like Revelation, like not only did they witness, they also died alongside of it. So martyria, martus, martyr. Uh, <laughs> and that makes sense here because they're in the altar in heaven. Right. Um, 
They have been slain for the word of God and for the witness that they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice. So here's your martyrias, your martyrs in heaven. They cried out with a lard, lard voice. <laughs> what is a lard voice? Hey, Trina. Like? <laughs> Uh, what's that Jim Gaffigan joke? Only water weight. <laughs> Whales. I think that would be a large voice. Because yeah. I get it. Whales think they're fat. It's a Jim Gaffigan. It's not funny if I said. Okay. Um. Where was I? Oh, sovereign lord! They Lord's cried voice. out with a loud voice. Oh, sovereign lord! Loud voice. <laughs> sovereign. Sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until a number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete, who were to be killed as they themselves had been. Pleasant little passage right there. So wait, there's a waiting room? Well, okay, so that's weird, right? Yeah, well... Here... Here's a doctor's coat and just sit over the waiting room for a while. It's Revelation. So mm-hmm. in Revelation, we deal with a lot of metaphorical type stuff. But the way that uh, the martyrs are pictured is that they've gone to an altar in heaven. So what kind of symbolism could we put behind that? There's a passage somewhere in the New Testament, like, offer your lives as holy sacrifices unto the Lord. So these people have literally become a sacrifice, right? Just like Jesus the Lamb became a sacrifice, they too have become sacrifices. Think of sacrifices, think of altars, kind of lines up, right? So that would be one way. Is there any other ways we should read into that? Or did I just cover it all? Why did they get white robes? Uh, well, um, white is often going to represent in this... Um, victory or the ability to conquer in this particular case it's like a positive conquering they conquered through their own death right which is what jesus kept telling them when he wrote his letters to seven churches in our episodes if you are faithful to the end no matter what happens to you you have conquered so white robes given to you it's kind of a messaging of power authority purity righteousness uh, also, angelic likeness. Um, one of the things that you see with heavenly host is uh, white garments. So, yeah, you also could read into this like it's not that they are angels, but that the resurrected being has a certain glorification upon it as well. So, there's that as well, yeah. So, it just seems weird to me. Hey, look, you died. Here's a consolation prize, white coat. It's not a consolation prize, it's the prize. Or one of the prizes. Just weird to me. Technically the Bible says, uh, well, the way in which it's sometimes written is, is uh, store up treasures in heaven. As though like what you actually do right now will in some way determine what... The resurrection will look like for you <laughs> i don't know what that means you know because it's utopia like we all look like jesus and whatnot but uh i think we're actually going to see and i'm unsure about this i think we'll actually see in revelation as we come back to these martyrs several times throughout 
Maybe I'm crazy because I can't find any commentaries that go here. <laughs> but oh, good, German conspiracy theories. There's one passage, and we'll get to it all the way at the end of Revelation. There's one passage that, to me, seems to imply that the martyrs, the the witnesses, the ones who died, specifically the ones who were beheaded, which is you know being martyred, seem to get a greater prize in the resurrection than everybody else who just lived their lives and didn't have to give up their life to get there. Maybe I'm crazy, (laughs) but that does match other Bible passages that seem to imply, you know, Paul talks about building up a house. That's what we're doing right now. And when the day of testing comes, it will be subjected to fire. As long as you have the base, which is Christ, you still get into heaven. But those who still have something more than that standing seem to receive a little more, you know. So what does that mean? I don't know. But I think when we talk about, like, ah, it's all just the same forever, buddy. Like, it, yeah, it's all paradise. It's all Eden. It's all what we're looking for and and living with God. But it also seems like there's enough Bible spots where maybe I don't know. You know? It's kind of like in The Good Place. Eleanor has oh. this little house. Little quaint She's little in the hell. Well, maybe then, you hang forgot. on. No, J- Jamin, spoiler alert. <laughs> Season two, and this came out how long ago? It doesn't matter. It does but then matter. I still Tahani has this big mansion right next door. The good place is not good theology, just to be clear. Um, it's still a good show. So, would you say the good place is on par with supernatural theology? Mm-hmm. Based on the weird crap no, you said on that show. Because. Supernatural theology tries to take Bible theology and twist it, whereas super theo- super- the good place is just different super theology. Super <laughs> yeah, Got no. there in the end. <laughs> uh, anyways, we'll come back to that theme all the way at the end of the good Revelation. Place? I like talking about that. That's not what I meant. Uh, we'll come back to Still haven't seen it. We'll come back to it later. But for now, we have these martyrs who are in heaven, and the important question here is what they are asking. How much longer, God, before you avenge us? Like, we died, you know, we're your children. We gave up everything, and, like, do you care? You know, is this not a question that is often just thrown around by people all across the world who are going through suffering and and are asking God the same question, you know, where are you? When will you save us? Uh, are you going to break through and, and avenge us? Or, like, do you care that we're suffering? You seem kind of quiet about it. And God's response is what? As my daughter would say, hold on. You know, wait. Wait. Yeah, I'll, I'll read it again. Um, how long before you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe, told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete, who were to be killed as they themselves had been. So does that mean there's like a martyr quota? I, it does I don't like what you said, but like in it. Revelation there is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's this exactly is, what he said though, was well, like 
We have I to wait until we reach our quota. Hold on. Hang on, hang on, hang on. You're about to go super Jehovah Witness. I got this. It's not that there's a quota. It's that there's still more coming. And Jesus doesn't want to shut the door too soon. So it's not like they're counting down so many. Okay. Tim, Tommy, Tarantula are still on their way. That was a big jump in names right there. I ran out of names to start I with had, tea. I had Animal Crossing names, and then I just went into Animal Crossing. Animals. Animals, yeah. Okay, so to Olivia's point, which I've well, already forgotten because she... That would, that would make uh, Animal Crossing an entirely different game. <laughs> to Olivia's point, we are going to see several times throughout Revelation where the gospel is continually preached. To a point that even angels like are flying across the sky saying, you can still turn and repent. You know, like one of the views that you're going to constantly see through Revelation is God is not giving up until everybody is so hardened that there's like nobody left to save. I mean, they are people left to save, but they have to like want him. And the way in which Revelation is going to picture the world is that they have become Pharaoh. That's going to be a huge thing throughout Revelation. So that they've all gotten to the point where their hearts are too hardened and they don't want to be saved anymore. And that's when God is essentially like, okay, I think the world's hit like its ultimate end. And this is why whenever anyone's like, it's the end times! I'm like, mm, does the world seem that hardened to you? Because I meet a lot of secular people and atheists who care very much about social justice and taking care of people and like it doesn't sound like uh, a world where you walk out on the street and just full-on like Sodom and Gomorrah everybody's like just hurting each other and taking whatever they want like that I don't think the world's to that point yet so whenever people are like it's here it's COVID um you realize people suffer way worse than what COVID does every day in other nations and just because America finally has a taste of something scary it's not suddenly the end of the world like we're still nope still the end of the world Jamin no <laughs> you're missing my point <laughs> so that's one thing one thing right here is to Olivia's point God wants more to be saved and that is said elsewhere in the Bible and Revelation constantly pictures I will wait until nobody will receive this receive the gospel anymore. but to your point which I no longer remember what it was <laughs> quota Quota, yeah, okay, it does come up. <laughs> uh, but this is where people get real wonky uh, in their theology. This is where Jehovah Witness type stuff comes in. And I don't, so I haven't even so studied. So it's more than 144,000? Well, that's the thing is, you know, it'd be, I haven't studied Jehovah Witness stuff enough to even understand what's going on. But from what I understand, isn't it usually like they're looking for like a literal number that needs to be fulfilled? Yeah, okay. Revelation is full of so many symbolic numbers. There's no reason to get hung up on one specific one. I'm pretty sure uh, more than 144,000 people have died for Christ over the last 2,000 years. No, but it's the 12 tribes mixed with the 12. And all the other ones who weren't a part of the tribe didn't get it. Okay, so this is where it's like, okay, our interpretation of Revelation has walked a wonky path by trying to take something literal in the sense that it is a literary function of a number based on symbolic stuff and turn it into a literal 
this specific number means this specific number type thing and stuff. But, but, metaphorically, the quota does exist in the sense that God is waiting for a certain amount of martyrs to come in before he ends it. Now, we're going to see that continue to come up. And this is, this is actually going to completely change one of the ways you're going to see Revelation all the way at the end. You're not going to remember this episode by then, <laughs> but I'm trying to plant seeds. There's so many seeds being planted over the last 40 episodes here. <laughs> so in 77 episodes, that's when we'll get to... Hey, we've been moving a lot quicker since we got past uh, Revelation 2. I was trying to use another number that was symbolic. To... Oh, right, right. Okay, but um, you're going to see this this huge, important, like... Why does a certain amount of martyrs need to die before God does something? That's going to continue to come up. And if you understand that better, it's going to completely change the way that you see things like Armageddon later. So, what would be your first thought right now? Why would God like be waiting for a certain non-literal but literary number? First thoughts. I'm thinking maybe because for those that are very hardened, like almost to the point of Pharaoh, mm-hmm. the last chance of softening their soul is a human being martyring themselves. Okay, yeah. And I wonder if this is completely theoretical, but if like to open that next door for to have the move from the waiting room to the next space, mm-hmm. if that shuts off the entrance point from the earth to the waiting room. And I wonder if there's some sort of like cutoff that once that door is opened, it cuts off the continuation. Say this again. So there's the earth, there's the waiting room, and there's heaven. And the altar and if, is the waiting room. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Well, and the people with the, that are getting the coats are in the waiting room. Okay. And if he opens the door from the waiting room to the heaven, it shuts off the door from the earth to the waiting room. And so what if you can only open that door once because it'll close off the door? Alright, so Olivia's going for emotional response. Casey's going for complete metaphysical, non-biblically supported response. Well, you said, what do you think? And I'm like, I know, I, I'll still go with it. I'm just saying, yeah, no, I don't have any biblical evidence for what you said. But I know, but it was just... <laughs> but it sounded like a great movie, Ed Blackson. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's like episode 10 in The Good Place somewhere. Um, yeah, okay, so the seed that I'm planting right now that you're going to continue to see come up, and it will change the way you understand later passages, is it's important what the martyrs just said which I'm not in that passage anymore. The martyrs just said, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? That's the question at play. Why has God not come and brought about justice? Because the Bible is all about the fact that God is a God of justice. The prophets were all about a day of justice that is to come where God puts all things right 
and everyone who's pursued sin and uh, has done all this evil and just got away with it are finally like judged and realize that they can't just keep getting away with it and doing whatever they want. That is what the Bible authors are going to call the day of the Lord. That's judgment day, you know, all these different terms we use for it. That's what Revelation is like the fullest peak of. And John is taking all the judgment and um, um, day of the Lord passages from the Old Testament and now writing like the final book of the Bible is a glimpse at that final thing that is to come. That ends this age and starts the next one. And the one of the crucial points to the day of judgment, to the day of the Lord, is that the people who have died, God's children who have passed away unjustly, unfairly, God finally brings about his vengeance and his justice on those who have done wrong. Um, and so, uh, we, we often don't like to talk about God's justice and vengeance, but like, we all also sense at the same time, like a God who doesn't care about justice. Well, can that be a good God? You know? And right here you have the people of revelation, the martyrs kind of asking that question, joining with, with many of the people throughout the old Testament saying, how long do we have to wait before you? tell people like their evil can't keep going on like they keep killing more of us like, what are you waiting for god or your children don't you don't you care about this and god's response is just wait until the full number comes in i would suggest to you that the full number is a certain i don't want to use the word quota, quota. but i think that's the closest thing i can think it is a level of tolerance that God will put up with before he says, that is enough. And that is where I think when Armageddon finally comes around, where the day of the Lord starts to really be put into motion. It's not like the full end of Revelation, but it's where big change happens. Um, that right there, you're going to see this moment where Jesus is, in my opinion, getting God's attention, saying, is this enough? <laughs> and God sees what Jesus says and says, yeah, that's enough blood. So, I don't know if I just planted the seeds or ruined the ending already. But, <laughs> but you're going to see when we get there. These are, these are the nuggets that you need to start chewing on early. The themes that John paints, it's not just like here and there. It's constant in your face and if you forget it the first few times you will read it wrong later you need to go back to all the passages where it's painted to be like oh right here at the beginning of revelation jesus writes to churches tells a lot of them they're gonna die right here in revelation those people are dead and they're in heaven and they're like do we die and you don't care and at the end of revelation we're gonna see no, I care, and I have had enough of this, you know. And then God is going to step in and say that no one is going to do this anymore. No one touches my babies. Uh, so with that being said, that's a, that's a more seeds to plant for us now that we'll continue to get through. Jackson Clouds an online church. Be sure to like, comment, <laughs> subscribe down below. 
And join us in the Discord. Did you take her line? I did. I think. And this is Olivia. Bye. Join us in the Discord.